another episode of It's Almost Game Day. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Stanley, and back with me again is Michael Peterson. What's going on, guys? We're super excited to be back. I know we kind of took a break. Uh, trust me, we had good reason, but couldn't be more excited to, to finally be back on the mic to talk about this game, uh, this week's matchup. Yeah, this is uh, this is an important week for the Chargers. Uh, they're one and two at this point, and the 49ers uh, couldn't have come at a better time. It's the Chargers need a rebound, and this is a very weak opponent who is going to be entering the game without their quarterback and both of their running backs who basically make their offense work are injured and listed as questionable. So uh, just what the doctor ordered. No, you got that right. Um, CJ Beathard behind center, a um, little bit of a Iowa Hawkeye reunion between these two teams. Obviously Desmond King uh, was our team's fifth round draft pick in 2017. Uh, Beathard and Kittle were drafted both by the Niners. Um, better in the third Kittle in the fifth as well um, and it's going to be a ton of fun yeah it'll be a good game I think um, one of the things here is that the the Chargers need to get back on track and the 49ers defense they're they're good up front but they don't have anything in the secondary especially Richard mm -hmm. Sherman is officially out um, and so the Chargers would need to get going on the outside and um, it's, it, you know, it's a perfect game for that, just like I said. So uh, let's kind of roll um, straight into, an in, into talking about the injuries since they keep coming up already. Uh, so for the Chargers uh, this week, the injury report, you know, features a couple names that uh, are less than preferable to have on there. So Keenan Allen, uh, he actually didn't even practice until Friday. And when he did practice, he was limited. Uh, he's officially listed as questionable. He had a knee and a tooth injury. So if we go back to the game uh, on Sunday, Keenan hurt his knee near the end of the game. He was kind of seen limping around a little bit. And uh, apparently that bothered him into the week. And then he also early in the week had some sort of tooth issue uh, that he had to go get. I don't know if that was a cavity or maybe he needed a root canal. Not sure. Uh, but yeah, so Anthony Lynn said yesterday that the tooth issues all dealt with and just his knees a little sore. But he expects Keenan to go on Sunday. Joe Barksdale, obviously still out, still not practicing. Travis Benjamin was limited all three days and his list is questionable. Uh, Lynn also said he, he kind of expects Travis to play on Sunday. Um, so that'll be another option back. Um, and I, I expect with both Benjamin and Allen kind of banged up a little bit, um, there's probably going to be a pretty heavy rotation out there at wide receiver. Uh, I think Mike Williams, his coming out party is probably going to continue uh, because he's just going to get a ton of snaps. What do you think about that, Michael? Yeah, no, I really, really like it. Um, obviously, the connection with Mike Williams and Phillip Rivers has done nothing but explode over the first three games of this year. And especially against the Rams last week, that was one game where obviously you didn't think really any of the Chargers wide receivers were going to pop off, really do anything, have a good fantasy game, stuff like that. but. I think in terms of his quote unquote coming out party breakout game, that was it. I mean, he could probably have better games um, later this year, but in terms of what he was able to do against who he did it against. So, you know, the Rams secondary, that defense has been, uh, it's a top five defense. I think number one overall in terms of points allowed yards allowed, and they hadn't even uh, allowed a single touch or passing touchdown, excuse me, the entire first uh, couple of weeks. So, that was huge. And it was 
also how he caught those touchdowns and how he scored. He beat uh, Marcus Peters, again, Philip Rivers' old arch, arch nemesis from the Kansas City Chiefs. He beat him over the top, full extension touchdown grab. Um, it was amazing. Held on through the ground. I know he took uh, a ball to the ribs and um, kind of knocked that wind out of him, but still held on, uh, really kept the Chargers in the game with that one. And then his second touchdown, he kind of dragged a defender into the end zone. He caught it about, you know, four, three yards short and then just basically carried this guy again into the end zone for a second score of the game. And, and both of these touchdowns are the kind of touchdowns you want to see scored and expect to be scored um, by a receiver that was taken seventh overall last year, obviously. So in terms of how he did it, who he did it against, this was a huge, huge game for Mike Williams and uh, his prospects going forward. Yep. Totally agree with all of that. He, uh, it, it was nice to see that coming out party last week. And, you know, I think he keeps the party going this week because he's, He's basically their best receiving threat that's not banged up at this point. Yeah, uh, so the Niners are, aren't they missing? Uh, sorry for interrupting, but isn't Jakiski Tart uh, fairly questionable? No, he was doubtful on the Niners injury report. Yep, uh, Jakiski Tart is out. Uh, well, he's doubtful, but he didn't practice at all this week. Um, he was out last week, too. I pulled up the snap counts from last week's game, and he did not get one snap on defense. Um, so really? he's been out, too. Yep. Okay, I'm only I'm surprised by that simply because recently when I was reading about Eric Reed, and obviously he just got recently signed by the Panthers, uh, they said that Reed was inevitably let go because of Tart and how well he was playing. So yeah, I'm not sure when he got injured. It it was it may have been before last week because yeah, looking at the snap count for last week, he didn't even get one, a single snap. Um, right, well, regardless, that's you know positive. Yeah, that's good news for the Chargers. Yeah. Um. So uh, Russell Okung and Derek Watt were listed on the injury report early in the week. Uh, Russell Okung with his knee injury, uh, obviously he went down in the game last week, but was able to get back in. Um, and Derek Watt has kind of had a thumb thing for like, what is it, three weeks now? It's been kind of flaring up. Uh, but both of them aren't even listed on the final injury report for the week because they were both full goes all week. Um, so that brings us to the two final ones is Kazir White. Uh, he did not practice thursday or friday and he is officially out for the game um he he says that it's the same knee injury that kept him out a little bit during the preseason uh he, he's re-aggravated it so obviously with this being a weaker opponent uh they went ahead and they've decided to give him some rest so he's going to be out this week uh trying to rehab that knee and get it get it fully ready for the rest of the season and so that finally brings us to Joey Bosa, who is still out. Uh, and there was developments this week. Uh, Bosa took it upon himself. Uh, he was finally made available to the press, uh, which was the first time since, I think, since the injury re-happened. Um, and so he gave his first interview. And basically he said uh, he is for sure going to be out at least until the bye week, which is week eight. And they're going to evaluate then and see if he can go. Um, so what the problem is, is he did re-injure his foot. Uh, initially, the team told us that it was a different injury to the same foot. Uh, but apparently he re-injured that same injury. Uh, and in his latest checkup, basically when, when they were getting ready to take the cast off, um, it's that the ligament is still loose. And sometimes that can require surgery and sometimes just staying off of it and giving it rest will allow it to heal up. So what the team has been doing is they had his foot completely casted to completely immobilize it. 
and give it a ton of rest. That cast has now come off. They've put him in a walking boot to still limit the mobility, but allow him to start, you know, putting weight back on that foot um, so that that leg doesn't, you know, completely atrophy. Um, And he's going to slowly start testing it leading up, excuse me, leading up to the bye week. Now, this is a good stretch of games for him to be missing. Um, the, the next couple of opponents aren't that strong. Uh, so they have the 49ers this week. Then the next week they have the 0-3 Raiders. In week six, they take on the Browns. In week seven, they're in England for the Titans game. I will also be there. And then they have the bye week. So they're facing a, you know, a, a pretty weak s- slate of games. Um, and then the hope would be that he comes back in week nine when the Chargers are at the Seahawks. So it's concerning that the team wasn't very upfront. Um, obviously, you know, they're allowed to handle injury news kind of however they want, but um, with the way that it first happened and they said, oh, he could go today if it was a real game. And that wound up being a lie. And then they said it was a different injury to the same foot. And that wound up being a lie. I mean, is it concerning that, you know, he's possibly facing season ending surgery and the team has basically this whole time tried to whitewash it? Yes. I think uh, everyone would answer a resounding yes, just because since the preseason um, when he initially sustained that injury uh, that apparently he re-aggravated, although we were also told that he didn't re-aggravate the same injury, that it was a new injury on the same foot. So besides reports being uh, conflicting, uh, they've been weirdly cautiously optimistic, um, which kind of gets you know fans' hopes up, uh, everyone hopes up. And then we come out and when you know, it comes from the horse's mouth and the news is worse than, you know, we expected to ever hear. Yeah, it's concerning when you, you think about, obviously, the injury with uh, Lamp as well. It's been well over a year. Uh, he played most of the last preseason game, um, and he felt good enough where he told the coaching staff, you know, I want to keep going in. Like, he's going to have a limited snap count, but he said, no, please, let me get the rust off. Do that. So they let him uh, keep playing. Nothing happened, but then has yet to play a snap you know, in an actual game that matters. And he's gotten an extra month or so of rest after playing for most of a game. So a lot of what's going on with the reports and, and what fans are getting told, um, I don't know how much, you know, trust you can throw into any of these things. So it really leaves everyone out on the edge in terms of feeling confident in uh, the coaching staff and what they, they tell us regarding, you know, again, some of the best players on the team and really, really makes the um, future for Bosa and, and what he can come back and hopefully salvage of the season. It puts it all in a really, really murky spot. Um, so, yeah, it's it sucks. I mean, if we just want to simplify it, it sucks to keep hearing this stuff because at first it was going to be, you know, week to week, and then it became um, out for all September, and then it just became he's going to be out for all of October. It just keeps getting worse. And at this point, you know, it's almost – like everyone just kind of wants to forget Bosa for right now. Cause it just seems like we're not going to have him. And instead of getting our hopes up and thinking that he will uh, come back in any sort of fashion sometime soon. Um, I think it's just a safe bet to prepare the team to go on without him and, and uh, hopefully salvage what we can without that pass rush. Yeah. And, and uh, it's what's more, what's almost more concerning is 
the lack of a plan to address it. Um, the yeah. Chargers haven't really been able to manufacture any other pass rush other than sending uh, Derwin James in on blitzes. Mm-hmm. They they still aren't getting a ton of snaps to um, to Uchenna Nuosu. I'm just pulling it up right now, but I think last week he was pretty limited as well. He had so Nuosu still only had 19 snaps last week, um, and I mean he's the team as far as we've seen this year, including the preseason. He's the third best pass rusher on the team, and he's still only getting 19 snaps. Uh, Rochelle had 56 snaps out there on the end and Landrum even had Landrum out snapped Nuosu. Landrum had 24 snaps. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't really get what the team is doing right now. Um, obviously now, like it's, it's pretty much a certainty that they've lost all of the next month with Bosa as well. So they really need to figure something out to, to make some stuff happen there at that pass rush. No, you're right. Uh, the thing they really, really hoped, and it, and it almost seemed forced that they were pushing Chris Landrum as you know the next McCain. You know, obviously our the third pass rusher from last season who ha- still had five, six sacks and and really played a nice complimentary role as a third pass rusher behind Bosa and Ingram. But this uh, this season, we the, the team does not have it. The team does not. Chris Landrum ain't it. Rochelle ain't it. Uh, when Nuosu plays he's already shown flashes I mean it took him two or three snaps in his first you know game with more than two snaps to get his first career sack but again like we just saw against the Rams he had 19 snaps he was out snapped by uh far too many people who haven't been as productive as Nuosu and that's disheartening to say the least it it really is (laughs) um so I don't know what else to say I mean it is it's it's disappointing that so it, especially after coming out this last week, I think what's what's becoming the most disappointing to me is seeing compared to a coaching staff like the Rams, how almost ineffective the Chargers coaching staff is. Like I, I really want to like the Chargers coaches, but when you see adjustments that other teams make and when you see clock management from other teams and when you see the like that they put their players in position to succeed. I mean, even something as simple as when Sam Tevy went down or no, sorry, when Russell Kuhn went down and they had to swing Sam Tevy to left tackle and they had to put Trent Scott in at right tackle. They immediately decided the Rams coaching staff immediately was like, Oh, perfect. Let's take advantage of that. And they put Sue Nadamka Sue out there on Trent Scott and literally first play was a sack. It, it's just little things like that that I don't think I've ever seen this Chargers coaching staff really take advantage of because when the situation was reversed and Aqib Talib and Marcus Peters were both down, the Chargers were still running the ball. They weren't they weren't going vertical and attacking those outside corners that were in there to replace those two really good guys. They just they just no, let's just carry on with the game plan we had in place. Let's not change things up. I you know it's really disheartening to see. Yeah, no, you're right. Again, uh, disheartening is such the right word for this whole situation. Um, but moving on now, um, we've already kind of we kind of already turned injury report into previewing the game for the most part. Uh, we already talked well, about real, real quick before we move yeah. on too far. I just want to run down the 49ers injury report. Oh, there's yeah, a couple yeah. interesting names here. Um, so obviously, with Jimmy Garoppolo out, 
CJ Bethard is their quarterback. They're going to be Bethard. They're going to be relying on their running backs who are both pretty good. Matt Breda and Alfred Morris. They've been doing pretty well this season, but both of them are questionable and both of them were limited in practice on Friday. Uh, Matt Breda has been fighting a knee injury all week. He was limited Wednesday, full Thursday, limited Friday, and he's officially questionable. And Alfred Morris didn't practice at all on, uh, I mean, he was fine on Wednesday and then was limited Thursday and Friday and is now questionable. So those two guys are going to be expected to carry a big chunk of the workload this week, and they're both banged up coming into the game. So that'll be something to watch right off the bat. And then obviously we went over it that um, Richard Sherman is officially out. And so that's a big blow to their defense. I mean, he had a really good pass breakup in the end zone uh, last week uh, against, uh, Ty- uh, I mean, two weeks ago against Tyreek Hill. So that he was able to still keep up with Tyreek Hill, which is pretty impressive to me. Um, and then uh, Marquise Goodwin wound up being full Thursday and Friday, but he has a quad injury. And as we know, those can flare up basically at any time if they're not fully healed. Um, so that'll be something to watch too. If, if he winds up having to stretch it out for a play, uh, he might tweak that again. Um, so yeah, both teams a little bit banged up already early in the season. And, uh, there's a couple key injuries on both sides to watch. I didn't realize that, uh, Breda and Alfred Morris were actually as banged up as they are. Um, I know Gus Bradley was talking about how the defensive game plan is essentially going to be the same. Uh, let's just say Breda and Alfred Morris obviously are just fine and continue to play. They are the second leading uh, rushing team in the NFL, and I don't think that's going to change because of who is you know under center. Uh, I know Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the more experienced quarterback, and they probably sling a little bit more with him, but I think at the end of the day, they were going to run it and run it some more um, coming into this matchup. So... Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if things really just stayed the same. Um, obviously, the Chargers' uh, weak point, and I guess you know they've gotten better. They've shown some flashes um, uh, lately with the run defense, but they still average about allowing I think 120-ish yards per game, uh, which isn't you know astronomical. It's not crazy, but um, that's still something. And when you have you know Matt Breda who uh, leads the NFL in rushing, he's actually tied with Zeke Elliott with 274 yards. But Breda's done it in 16 less carries. And to put in some perspective, we think Austin Eckler is a very efficient player in general, whether he's catching the ball or running the ball. And Eckler, I believe, averages just a smidge over eight yards per carry. Well, that's second only to Matt Breda. So uh, again, we talk about how dangerous. Eckler is to other teams and how much uh, fans and we would all would like them to use him more. Breda is just as much of an athlete, just as efficient as Eckler. I think Breda coming out was, I think he has, or it's one of, I'm not entirely sure, but he's one of the highest rated athletes, you know, with spark rating. So just overall strength, speed, agility, everything combined into uh, one package. Breda has one of the highest scores ever recorded. So as much as we like Eckler, Breda might be Eckler plus, at least in the run game for uh, San Francisco. So that's something we can't overlook. Agreed. All right. So let's roll into fantasy uh, and I'll let you lead off because you really dig the fantasy stuff. Oh, you know, I love fantasy. All right. So fantasy this week, I always, always, always pick up guys like Rivers late in the late in the drafts. I've had Gordon as a keeper for some main leagues for the last couple years after I took him in the fifth before he really popped off and had that season where he scored, I think, 12, 13, 14 touchdowns for the first time. Um, for Rivers, 
big day. Expect a big day. We talk about the depleted secondary of the 49ers. No Sherman. Jatiski Tart has been hurt. I can't even name the other cornerbacks or defensive backs for the 49ers. And I like to think I, I know kind of everyone who needs to be known in terms of uh, every other team in the NFL. So I take that as a big sign. Start Rivers. I know his uh, efficiency, his uh, ceiling might be a little limited depending on how limited Allen is. But again, Mike Will, breakout game last week. Still a flex with such high-end potential. And Tyrell, kind of a big question mark um, up through three games. And I, I went back and looked at his stats. He's only caught seven balls for 78 yards and a touchdown. And that's insane to think about, at least as far as what we've gotten accustomed to with Tyrell. Two years removed from a 1,000-yard season. Uh, he's a yards-after-catch monster. Over the last couple of years, he's been one of the best receivers in terms of yards from the slot. So even with Mike Williams kind of coming out, we, we thought, yeah, Tyrell is probably going to have some of his snaps, some balls taken away from him, but he's really done nothing. And at the same time, you know, given uh, if he didn't drop two long passes against the Chiefs, he could have one, maybe two more touchdowns. He could have another 100, 150 yards to his name and be right up there with Keenan and Mike Will. But unfortunately, that's just not the case right now. Um, so Rivers, big, big day. Uh, Gordon and Eckler, I... Fully expect uh, the team to utilize them the same way they did in the first two games. I know during the Rams game, they uh, barely threw the ball to either of the backs, which was weird because going in, a lot of us thought that was going to be one of the ways they could uh, take advantage of the linebacker mismatches because that was the one weak spot along the Rams defense is those linebacker core. So uh, I expect things to kind of get back to normal. Gordon to catch some balls outside of the backfield, Eckler as well. Um, fun fact, I just read this before we started recording that uh, Gordon is Philip Rivers' favorite receiver when he's under pressure. So uh, out of the 36 times that he's been pressured and gotten the ball off to a completion, um, Gordon's been on the end of a quarter of those. So nine of those 36 have gone to Gordon. And I expect a similar situation like that to happen against the Niners, especially with their front seven. Eric Armstead to force Buckner, two of the most underrated defensive linemen, um, interior defensive linemen in the NFL. And, you know, the closest thing to rattle the fastest thing to rattle River, excuse me, is getting pressure up the middle. So if that happens, if, if guys like Dan Feeney can't step up, if Schofield can't step up, or even Pouncey kind of has a lackluster game, um, that could lead to, again, dump offs to guys like Gordon Eckler and really raising the floor for those two running backs. Um, we mentioned Allen a little bit earlier. He's always going to be a must start if he's on the field. I know it's a little sketchy. He's, last year, he's obviously solidified himself as one of the top PPR wide receivers. Um, if he's not terribly limited for you know the knee injury i don't know exactly how bad it is um but allen should be an always start if he suits up i just don't think you overthink that um mike what we talked about again he solidified himself as a very high-end flex maybe even a wide receiver too especially with how he's done comparatively to um tyrell who was his biggest uh competition for wide receiver two snaps in in that wide receiver two spot so high-end flex wide receiver two depends on how deep your league is if you're like mine i'm a 10 team league in my main league with mike will and he's been my flex lately um and i've absolutely loved it he's got excellent opportunity this game obviously to take advantage of that depleted secondary uh tyrell like i said big question mark seven for 78 and a touchdown is is nothing for a guy who usually um, hangs his hat on explosive plays. But if there is a week for a, a bounce back game of any sort for Tyrell, you can say this is one of those. And then just to finish off the tight ends, Virgil Green and Gates. Virgil Green's been one of the highest rated players by a pro football focus through the first three weeks. Uh, we all thought he was going to be a 
uh, blocker first and foremost, which he is, but he's shown a little more passing um, prowess than we initially thought going into the season. But both him and Gates, and although Gates had a pretty good game against the Rams, um, broke a few tackles, kind of looked a little retro, but again, he still doesn't have the same, uh, he just doesn't. He doesn't have anywhere near the speed he did to stretch the field whatsoever. So Green and Gates are both going to be uh, touchdown dependent boomer bust kind of flex plays or uh, tight end plays if you're looking really uh, desperate, especially with guys like the Panthers being out, um, the Redskins on a bye as well. So no Jordan Reed, no Vernon Davis. And I believe there's one more, but I know we're starting our first week of buy. So if you are needing to stream a tight end, Green and Gates are worth a look in those deeper leagues. And Travis Benjamin, I don't think we really have to mention him. He might play, and he's always been dependent of some 45-yard touchdown throw, which uh, so far this season just hasn't happened, obviously, since his drops against Kansas City. So probably just fade Travis Benjamin. I don't even think he's worth holding in a league. Um, but yeah, that's it, Stanley, unless you, uh, there's any points I, I uh, missed that you feel like you need to mention in terms of fantasy play. But uh, that is your fantasy forecast for this week. I think the only thing is uh, I, I would still start the Chargers defense special teams if you got them. I think, oh, yes, uh, I can't believe I even forgot that. I just picked them up in my main league to replace <laughs> the uh, – I have the Ravens defense, and I just don't see – although the Ravens defense is good and they play tough uh, always in that Ravens-Steelers game, but I just I saw someone drop the Chargers uh, defense because someone drafted them before I could pick them up in the actual draft. So I picked them up. Yes, Stanley is correct. Stream that special team. Stream that uh, defense for, um, you know, CJ Beathard behind center. Opportunistic. If they can really rattle Beathard, uh, I can see some points in the future for that unit. Prospect of the week. Let's you go. Got, you got to pick this week. Yes, I did. And I'm super excited about it. And uh, um, this week, guys, we have... Offensive tackle, more specifically the right tackle for the Wisconsin Badgers, David Edwards. And I love David Edwards. I recently did, uh, I guess recently is kind of contextual. I did it a couple months ago for uh, another website called Inside the Pylon. I wrote offensive line previews for the best units of offensive linemen um, going into the 2018 college football season. And for Wisconsin, uh, if you guys haven't watched a ton of college football, um, you know, last couple of years or the last decade, I guess it doesn't matter. They've always been good. The Wisconsin offensive line has always been one of, if not the best units in all of college football. If you can just look to the NFL to see the types of alumni they have in Rob Havenstein, Joe Thomas, um, Alex, not Alex Mack. I got that confused with Alex Mars, uh, former player for the Titans. Um, Travis Frederick. I mean, the list goes on in terms of Wisconsin offensive linemen who translate really well to the NFL and have some really, really, really uh, long consistent success so david edwards last year was a 2017 consensus second team all big 10 pick um but the crazy thing about that is although he wasn't selected to the first team all conference nod he still got a handful of all american nods so besides being second team big 10 he was a ap third team all american he got a second team all american nod by the fwaa and walter camp and then he was a first team all american by afca so you never usually see that you know unless you're all conference first team you usually don't even get a look to see uh if you can make one of the all-american squads but david edwards did just that i think he joined his uh his also uh his teammate michael dieter uh, on a couple all-american teams as well um so a couple things about david edwards he was actually recruited as a tight end to wisconsin he was a quarterback in high school at one point switched to tight end and then was obviously recruited to was madison and what a lot of 
uh, teams will do in college is if there's a shortage of offensive linemen and in terms of kind of where the game's going today, um, trying to get more athleticism in your offensive line group, um, people will take converted tight ends and try to make them offensive tackles. Um, Iowa does this a lot. Um, obviously, I love my Hawkeyes. Brandon Scherf, who's an all-pro guard, Pro Bowl nod, uh, last year for the Washington Redskins. He plays right guard for them. He was a quarterback and tight end in high school, gets to Iowa. They throw him at uh, left tackle. He ends up winning the Outland Trophy for the best offensive lineman um, in college football. So there's a nice correlation between former tight ends becoming offensive tackles and, and finding some good success there. Um, the guy's a traditional right tackle. And if you've ever talked about the difference between left and right tackle, traditionally, although that difference is kind of you know, a gray area. Now, a traditional right tackle is um, less than elite, let's just say agility, quick twitch in terms of pass protection, because usually left tackles obviously block the blind spots, protect the blind spot for quarterbacks. Right tackles is preferably your run tackle, your stronger tackle. Um, you run behind him most of the time. So uh, the thing about David Edwards is he fits that mold. Lacks elite agility, quick twitch, um, but has excellent hand technique, excellent functional strength. And he's got that added just general athleticism from being a tight end where he can help reach five techs and speed sweeps. He can help get to the uh, second level and latch on to linebackers, defensive backs and stuff like that. And he offers a lot of experience. So today when Wisconsin takes the field, that'll be his 30th consecutive start. And he's done the last 23 at right tackle. So in terms of someone who's been there, it's not just some one season, one hit wonder kind of thing that you're taking um, a chance on. Someone like David Edwards offers the experience and essentially everything that the Chargers have been lacking at the right tackle position for some time. Because obviously you and I both know, Stanley, Joe Barksdale can't stay healthy. And even if he stays on the field, he can't stay like literally off the field. He's always on his butt. Something always happens to him. And it's been almost one, two, three years too long that he has held down that right tackle spot. Um, I'm frustrated with it, and I just think someone like David Edwards would be absolutely awesome. 6'7", 319, huge guy, an absolute unit, redshirt junior from Wisconsin. I love him. I know you just watched some tape on him, uh, so tell me what your thoughts are on this big guy. So I think uh, one of his best strengths is he he's really good at at firing off quickly. Like he's He's basically right at the snap every single time. He, sometimes you get that those guys that are slow out of their stance. He's not. He's very quick to get into his stance, get his feet moving, get his punch ready, and he does show pretty good heavy hands. Um, the one of the the only concerning things that I saw from him were um, being as tall as he is. He has a tendency to bend at the waist a little too much uh, mm -hmm. for for my liking, and and kind of reach, and that throws him off balance. Um, and then. He also his he does have good feet. It's kind of weird. Like so, he has good feet to where like he doesn't wind up tripping over himself, and he makes good kicks and slides. But his feet aren't exactly fast, so sometimes he can get beat to the edge. But because he's so big and so long, he's and and, and strong in the upper body. He's able to throw a punch out and kind of just like shove guys out around the edge, uh, which will be important because uh, being in that right tackle position in the AFC West. He's going to be facing Justin Houston and uh, Von Miller a lot out on that right side, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, he, crazy story. Like he, he's he's very athletic. He carried that as he added weight. He carried that athleticism with him. Like you said, he was a 
a quarterback in high school, but not only was he a quarterback, he was an option quarterback. So he was doing a lot of running in high school. And then they, he was 215 when he graduated high school. Over the summer, uh, Wisconsin bulked him up to play tight end, and he put on 30 pounds to 245. And now, like you said, he's almost at 320 pounds. So, so he's, he's added 100 pounds to his frame since he graduated high school and has kept a lot of that athleticism. So he's, he's still pretty raw. He's still learning the position. He, obviously, he didn't play offensive line until he got to college. So there's definitely a ton of upside there. And, you know, one of those draft, tra- those, those draft phrases is he, he's got the things you can't teach. You can't teach somebody to be 6'7", 320 pounds, and athletic. So the rest of it you can mold. Now, whether how confident we are in the Chargers coaching staff to be able to do that is another story. But he has what you look for when you're drafting a right tackle is, is he's, he's strong. He's got the athleticism. He's still raw, but he's, he's made steps every year. He's gotten better every year, uh, and he's consistent. So, you know, I, I would, with where I hope the Chargers are picking in the first round, I think he'd be a perfect pick. Yeah, no, most definitely. Um, he was an All-American for a reason. You're right. He's got all those things that you cannot teach, length, height, et cetera. Um, as a guy who really loves scouting offensive linemen, you definitely take those things with a grain of salt uh, because there have been a lot of super strong, super athletic, um, you know, big as a building type of guys who just don't translate. And so I like to put a lot of salt, though, in um, footwork, hand technique, the little tiny things that uh, obviously the fundamentals, um, but at the same time, there is a, a, a nice risk reward with taking a flyer out on guys that may not be totally there yet. Um, but there's been also plenty of guys who, you know, people feel that way going into the NFL draft and then they just exceed expectations. I mean, there's, there's always a chance for that as well. And David Edwards again has everything you could possibly want um, if he follows up 2017 with uh, another rock solid 2018, which, you know, the Wisconsin, I just just watched them pull out a, a close win against my Iowa Hawkeyes. And um, David Edwards, again, looked great uh, up against a former five star defensive end, AJ Epinesa from Iowa, um, did a really good job handling him. He actually looked better than his uh, teammate, Michael Dieter, who was on the left side, handling some uh, of the other good defensive linemen at Iowa. Um, and Dieter's supposed to be an even higher draft pick. So I take that with a grain of salt as well. And um, just love me some Edwards. I'm really glad we chose him. Uh, I think he's such a good uh, possible pick. Again, like you said, with what the Chargers may draft, where we'd like to see them draft, he's most definitely going to be available in the end of the first round, if not early second, maybe in a lamp situation if something crazy like that happens. But um, yeah, love me some Edwards. Great prospect. It'd be an instant upgrade over Joe Barksdale. All positive things. Now, before we get wrapped, yeah, and, uh, and sorry, Chargers, go ahead, Stanley. The Chargers. I was going to say the Chargers do have that Wisconsin connection that you know they've they've doubled yes, it right. there with Derek Watt and Melvin Gordon. Um, they just it's it's a place that they're familiar with scouting. Um, so that's always going to be something that the Chargers fall back on. Looking at the trends of of how they've selected players, um, they like going back to the schools that they have good relationships with. Yeah, no, most definitely. And especially a team like the Chargers who want to increase the efficiency, the overall level of their run game. Why not look at a school who has such success running the football 
year in and year out for what it seems like the last two or three decades. So um, good idea by the Chargers to to stick with a school like Wisconsin, who obviously does well at things the Chargers need to be better at. Thanks, everybody, again for listening in. Uh, there you have it. Oh, that's what we forgot. Um, <laughs> let's get a score prediction for the game. There what it do you, is. What is do you think is going to happen that tomorrow? Was it. Maybe that was it. Uh, let's see. <laughs> score prediction for this game. And uh, I hate score predictions like this, especially against a team that you think they should just handle like the Niners. Because I want to say with how well the offense is doing, especially against lesser D de- or sorry, much better defenses, Rams, the chiefs, you know, regardless of talent, good defense, the bills defense, especially with what they did to the Vikings recently. I think that defense kind of figured out its identity, especially from last year. So the Chargers have played some good defenses and have put up, what has it been? Uh, 30? No, was it 28, 31, 23? So for a team against or like the Niners, I'd like to think they could break the 30 plateau again. Um, so I want to say 31 to 17 because you know there's going to be one, maybe even two touchdowns likely that we're going to bang our head against the desk about and just say, I can't believe they did that at the same time. I'm not surprised kind of thing. So let's call it 31 17. We're very close. So on uh, the recharge show that I did with Ruben the other day, um, I'm going to stick with that prediction. And I have the Chargers winning this 34 to 16. Um, I think the I think they wind up getting in range to kick a couple field goals, the 49ers. Um, but I think the Chargers put up big points this week and uh, and handle it like they should. All right. Well, I hope it works out the way you think. Me too. All right, well, that about does it for today. Uh, Time to go enjoy our Saturdays. Go watch some college football. I have to run a bunch of errands because I'm married, and that's what we do on Saturdays. So, yeah, let's get ready for game day. Thanks, everybody. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.